with digital PR, you know, you're essentially, you are creating brand awareness. You're getting your brand featured and mentioned in the media. And that is going to not only help you build your authority, your website's authority, but you are, you also get referral traffic from the media that does feature you. So you are, you're driving in visitors from readers from those news organizations to your website. And then if you've got a great website, great user experience, looks professional and whatnot, then you're going to, you're going to get that engagement. I'm John Wright, and you're listening to Affiliate BI, the business intelligence and affiliate marketing podcast brought to you by StatsDrone. So welcome to the Affiliate BI podcast. Today, we're chatting with Gabriella Covey, who is an SEO expert specializing in digital PR and is the founder of Bright Valley Marketing, which is a premium SEO and PR link building agency. Gabriella, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me here. Hi. So- I want to start off by asking, what is your story and how did you end up doing SEO, PR link building and affiliate marketing? Yeah, so I started off pretty much uh, right after I got out of college. I graduated from UC Davis back in 2009. My parents at the time, my mom and my late father had started their own family uh, daycare here locally. And uh, they're like, we need someone to help us build the website. We don't have a website. And they're like, you need to do it. You just got out of college. You have nothing to do right now. So uh, help us out. Help the family. Uh, okay. I don't know anything about websites. I don't even know. So I, I just dug in and I built their website on Wix, Flash-based at the time. If you guys remember Flash, <laughs> it was a thing back then. Um, I got it up and running. And then my mom was like, we need customers now. What, what do we do? I'm like, well, I don't know. There's I started researching. I'm like, there's this thing called SEO, whatever. I like just dived right in and at the time you just you know you just plugged in some keywords meta keywords and boom you're like number one i'm like wait this is too easy (laughs) okay this is cool okay what else can we do with this thing my parents started getting leads started getting customers growing their family daycare and at the time i was actually i i I was thinking of going to to med school i was i had studied medicine or pre i was pre-med in college for the most part and I wanted to become a doctor. And then just things started just changing. I started questioning my per- career path. And I got a little bit of taste of SEO back in the day when I was helping my parents out. Then I, then I, then I moved back to the States. I got my master's degree in the Netherlands, science and innovation management, came back to the States and then worked for a, an SEO agency. And being an account manager, I think I was managing like 50 different campaigns. I had zero clue about what it actually takes to manage like manage SEO. So I just, I learned everything myself in that span of a year. And then in 2014, just decided to go solo and do my own thing. And then I've, Bright Valley Marketing has been in business now for almost 10 years. So pretty cool. <laughs> well, congrats. You're talking about two extreme thoughts where I think students have a choice of go. Like you said, you wanted to go to med school, but then when you do SEO, you're not going to SEO school. It's, there are courses in SEO, but it doesn't exist. And I don't know if it ever will. Because everything's always changing. You got to keep up with everything. There's changes happening constantly, especially this year with all the algorithm updates. It's been it's been pretty unprecedented, I would say, especially this past year. And now with the advent of AI and SG and all these things on the horizon, we're like, none of us know what's going to really happen until it actually happens. So you're just constantly learning. It's like you're just you just got to stay on top of everything and just keep experimenting trial and error test things out and that's how you learn you can't learn you can take a course right you learn the fundamentals but ultimately it comes down to just testing things out 
and seeing what works, really. That's yeah. <laughs> I, I think it comes down to what you said is very true. That's if someone's going to offer an SEO course, like who, are, who do, would we take a course from? I would rather take a course from you than go to college or university for that same course. I want someone who's living and breathing SEO and it's getting their hands dirty, building affiliate sites and you name it. Exactly. Absolutely. I, I agree. Yeah. And then as far as like the PR side of things, because I didn't answer that question, we started doing digital PR back in 2016. At the time, we were doing mostly traditional PR with for our local clients in the area. And they were getting featured in local news sites, right? And they for events, they were sponsoring and whatnot, things related to their company. And we would basically reach out to these news organizations and be like, hey, you forgot to mention, you forgot to add a backlink to our client site. Would you be able to do that? Like, just like really friendly, short email, because we knew that there was a, a benefit to getting a backlink from a news site back in the day. But no one really truly cared back then. It was all about just guest posting on link farms and all that. And it, it worked. It worked really well. Um, but I always knew there was like a better approach and I saw the future. Like I saw it, I was like, this is all this link farming and all that stuff. Like it might work now, but I don't think it's going to, it just doesn't feel right. It feels like you're trying to scam the system and outsmart it, but you're going to lose in the end. Like I, I just, it didn't feel right. Like it, it was, there was something like, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I want my client, client's website to be on this shady website. Cause I saw that it's shady. But it worked back then. So we we're like, okay, yeah, if it's working, yeah, we can play around a little bit with this. But then digital PR just became this thing over time where it was like, it, it just became more increasingly important to build that brand and, and generate those brand signals that are important now, nowadays with the EAT requirements and whatnot now more than ever. So we slowly started building out that service. And this past, I would say, two, a year and a half or so just have been really focusing on that because it's just so critical. It's such a critical component of SEO nowadays. So it's, it's part of, of a successful strategy for building like a brand. And you need to build a brand now. There's no way around it. You have to have a solid brand that stands the test of time that will, uh, you know, survive these algorithm updates because now they're happening all the time. Like you just got to, yeah, you got to think long term if you're in it to win it. Yeah. I was going to ask uh, your definition of digital PR and what do you see in the future? but. Before I do that, um, I think what you said is a really interesting insight, which is in digital PR, not for the sake of building links, but for building a brand. So can you elaborate how a lot of people might think first from a link building mentality rather than a brand building mentality? I, yeah. If you come from a link building mentality, you're like, okay, you're thinking in terms of what can I do? How much can I pay this webmaster or whatever to get to, to mention me on their site to feature me? What can I do? To, you're like in this almost like a desperation mode <laughs> type of thing. You're like I ha following up with them, sending them a million emails, trying to ha haggle with them and everything. Whereas with digital PR, it's really it's link earning. You're not really building links. You're earning them naturally and organically. And you're not begging anyone for anything. You're just you're sending out this press release with newsworthy information, data that you've researched and sending them out to journalists and the journalists open your email, see the press release, see all the awesome data. And they're like, whoa, this is cool. I want to feature, I want to cover this story. And I'm going to credit you by, by mentioning your, your brand and then also including a backlink usually. So it's a different, it's a different approach. It's a proactive rather than like a reactive type of approach, I would say. 
And I want to go talking back to eat, which is I watched one of your EEAT videos and you gave some simple advice to explain why your site is an authority and how does this translate to improve search results as well as a better user experience? Yeah. So if you are an affiliate website, you need to communicate in the best way possible why someone should trust your site and your advice and your recommendations over your competitor. What makes you the authority on this, on the subject and on these recommendations? In that video, I think that you're referring to the why trust brand. Yeah. <laughs> and then you outline at the bottom of each of your affiliate posts why, they, why people should trust you. Uh, uh, briefly talk about your review process, what you do, how you select the products, how you determine the criteria, like basically create as much transparency as possible in your review process so that people can start trusting you a little bit more and have confidence that what you're saying is actually legitimate and you're not just another affiliate site reviewing these products based on like Amazon reviews and what other people are saying. You're, you're actually testing the products or at least working with experts that can have tested the products for you. So we can go into that in a little bit. If you're not an expert in your industry, what you can do, but basically including that, that blurb at the bottom of your, your affiliate blogs can help a lot with increasing trust and Google. If you increase trust with um, amongst your readers, you do so with Google as well. It's, it, it goes hand in hand. So as just be transparent, communicate why you're an authority your industry experience, how many years you've been in this industry and all that. I'm sure semantically or whatever, Google sees that when you talk about experience, this and that, it all plays into the EAT signals. That's my take on that. It's worked for us. Yeah, Why I think not? people maybe take it for granted where they forget to, to say, hey, I'm the author and this is what I do. I'm either passionate about the topic or I've done my research. And it seems like just most sites, they don't do this. And I'm guilty of that as well. Yeah, but there's also an element of, I guess people don't want to show off or be like too much in people's faces about their experience and everything. But now's the time to show off. Now's the time to say, I've got all these credentials. I've got all the, all yeah. this industry knowledge. I, we work with, show off as much as you can. It's important. <laughs> don't be humble anymore. Yeah. Now I got a, like a challenging question. So when we're talking about doing this, usually I look at these like footers, like summaries of who you are and why you're an expert. Would you say to use the same text over and over, over again? Or would you say you could also rewrite that for every article, just make it a little different and maybe a little bespoke? Would there be any advantage to doing that? We do a little bit of both. Like we talk like on the on our money pages, on our um, product recommendation pages, we have a standard blurb that just talks about the author and like what, what the what the author's background is and just keeps that part very standardized. And it's the same across all the articles. And then there's also like another section that kind of talks a little bit more in depth about that specific like product that we are reviewing or the products that we are reviewing. And it's tailored to that particular, like we, we talk about our review process in relation to that specific product or products that we're reviewing. Yeah, I think that, that both is, is important if you can try to do that. <laughs> now, pulling this full circle back to affiliates, how can affiliates use PR for link building or what are the best practices? Yeah, you really just think about think about something that is newsworthy that you think journalists might consider newsworthy that's related to your industry, to your niche. Think about all the themes uh, and categories related to your niche. If you are like a family blog, 
Think about family activities, budget-friendly activities, things that are also relevant to today's society. So right now people are thinking about budgeting, right? And saving money because, yeah, inflation in the States has gone down a little bit, but people are still feeling the heat of the effects of the inflation that did happen. So people are trying to save money. Think about the time of the year. Right now it's when we're recording this, it's the holiday season. We're doing a lot of holiday-themed campaigns, and those are really fun. Journalists are hungry to cover holiday-themed campaigns. New Year's is approaching. There's another opportunity to do something that's New Year's-themed. So uh, take advantage of the the holidays, seasons, summertime, winters, and think about how all that relates to your website. And then you can start the creative process from there to think about something that's newsworthy. And then once you have an idea, you can gather the data by running a survey, which is what we prefer doing because we have all the creative flexibility in the world to ask any sort of question and get unique original data for our clients. Or you can look at existing public data that's available online, um, bls.gov. There's so many different sources. Uh, WeatherSpark, if you're looking at weather and temperatures and stuff like that, um, we can gather existing data. And then once you have all the data Pack it up, package it up nicely in a, in a beautiful press release. Ideally, have a little infographic or linkable asset that best, better illustrates the data because people were visual creatures. We like to see things visually. Like most of us, <laughs> I get confused if there are so many like stats and numbers and everything. I'm like, OK, I have to make sense of all this in my head. But when I see a graph or I see something visual, I can understand the, the data more. And if you are able to communicate that data in a more in a simpler way and a more effective way, that just increases your chances of getting more coverage because journalists are people just like us. Like they're people. So make their job easier, make their lives easier. And yeah, once you've got all that, you've got your press release, then find the, the right journalists to reach out to. You can use tools like Muckrack, Decision Media Database, which is what we use. Or you, if, you know, if you're totally budget strapped, like you don't have money, just go to Google news.google.com and then find journalists that have covered similar stories to you in the past, I would say maybe a year or so, and then uh, reach out to them. You can use Hunter or other uh, tools to find their emails, but usually it'll say their email right there, like in, the, in their article, like you'll see their contact info for the most part. So you can do that. That's just the manual free way to, to find journalists. You can find journalists on Twitter. So yeah, but we usually use Cision Media Database. It just makes our job easier. And we have our own, we maintain our own, our own email lists for different industries. And we clean those up all the time. So everything's always updated. And then, yeah, send, and like talking so much, right? But then, then send out your press release and, and watch the links come in. So that's the PR process in a nutshell. I know it could be a little bit hard to understand, but hopefully I explained it. Yeah, there, there's a lot in there. But would you say like the core element or maybe a very important element is you need a data, you need a data set to, to share a story. Because I think people are just looking for stories where they can learn from it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So ideally, yes, you have some data that's interesting and communicates a story that journalists will find interesting for their readers. But you can also do something that doesn't require generating original data or anything and it's just it's news jacking it's an expert commentary campaign you basically there's something that's trending in the news like recently i think it was like this past october a call um, a college loan the college loan repayment thing happened and students had to start repaying their loans so if you're like a personal finance website 
you could just piggyback on that, on all the media that's coming out about that, and then send a press release to journalists with your own unique expert tips about maybe what students can do now that they have to start paying back their loans, like tips and, and, and what. And that doesn't even require any sort of like visual asset or anything or original data. It just requires your expert insights and opinions. And journalists are hungry to feature experts and get their take on a specific uh, topic. So that's how you can, you can basically just do digital PR for free. But that requires staying on top of what's happening in the media, trends related to your industry. And really, the timing for that is everything because you got to hop right in. Sometimes the window of opportunity is like just a few days. But you, if you go in there at the right time, you will get those links. And I guess like I'm, I, I, th- I feel like I'm going to be asking a loaded question where would you say that most affiliates just don't do this PR work because it requires a mixture of creativity, your experience, and obviously seeing what works and what hasn't worked, as well as putting in the effort? I think there's too many webmasters that they want to put in the minimal effort to get the max result, but it's usually the other way around. Yeah, I think there's just, there's a barrier to entry, I think, because it can be overwhelming when you think of digital PR and it's almost, I feel affiliates think that they have to go out there and it, it's like a new frontier almost because we're, we've been so used to doing things the old school way, guest posting, haggling with webmaster, paying them and bargaining and making deals to, to get a link and whatnot. So this is, it's just a very new, it's a new frontier, I would say. And people are like, not sure how to, how to get started really. But again, just like with SEO and everything else, you just start somewhere, test things out. You don't have to start huge, just start small, run a small scale campaign and then get your feet wet and learn, learn, look at your open rates or are uh, journalists opening your emails. If not, there might be a problem there. So, so tweak things up and keep trying until you're going to eventually get it. You just have to keep trying just like with anything else. So it's trial and error. <laughs> what would you say are some of your best outreach tips? Because you just said, uh, for example, that you want to actually even pay attention that your emails are getting open, let alone read. So how do you make sure that your emails actually make it through and get open and replied to when journalists or other other companies, they're just getting blasted by email all day long. Yeah. So it's really important to test subject lines out initially. So I, I try to test two different subjects out, uh, subject lines out and see which one performs better. And that's before you go full scale outreach. So start with the, like your first initial outreach should be a little bit smaller on the smaller scale. So you can test those things out. The subject lines, you can test engagement uh, rates by see- by seeing how many journalists click through to your email to maybe click on that linkable asset and get more information, that visual representation of your data. You want to look at those things and make sure that everything's looking good before you go full scale. And then, oh yeah, also avoid spam triggering words in, in your content. <laughs> yeah, so avoid uh, things related to, I, I don't, probably don't, don't want to say this on the podcast, but you guys know what spam words are like related to make money online fast, all that <laughs> get rich quick schemes, all that stuff. The fun stuff. The fun stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> because what that's going to end up doing is it's going to trigger the server's spam filters in many instances, and your emails will just get go straight to their journalist spam box. And then the likelihood of your press release even being read is going to just plummet. So just try to avoid those types of of words, uh, try to avoid like sensationalized uh, words and phrases and just be very matter of fact based and just be professional and 
just yeah don't don't go overboard and be like oh this it's crazy stuff that we uncover don't be overly sensationalistic that doesn't work and that can also trigger spams spam filters would you say as well that it's best to try to keep your all of your emails short i sometimes use a tool called lavender i think it's lavender.ai where they actually literally critique your scores as you're typing the message Uh, and they also highlight spam keywords so i'm just wondering if you just naturally like to keep things short and you're always being mindful that maybe too much content is just not going to get a, a response. Yeah. As far as keeping things short, we always start off with a little personalized message to the journalist. Um, one to two sentences, I would say, in the beginning. And then we include our press release, which is usually between 600 to 800 words. So that is the sweet spot right there when you are doing outreach. So you want to be friendly and start off with a friendly message. Hey, we've noticed that you've covered so-and-so subjects in the past and we below, like we've uncovered some interesting data. And then we actually have the press release included like right below with everything the journalist needs to write the story with great talking points, with some quotes from a spokesperson from your company. Give them everything they need in that press release. And that's usually between 600 to 800 words or so. And then that that's, if you do more than that, then yeah, that, that, then you end up just probably confusing the journalist and <laughs> not good. Just try to keep things concise, as concise as possible. And I'm going to make a big assumption that you don't use any marketing automation where you're just like putting uh, emails in a sequence and then having it fully automated. I am assuming mm-hmm. that these are more bespoke emails. Yeah, yes, yeah. So we try to keep everything as personalized as possible. We do have a little bit of automation. Once we send out um, a press release to that specific journalist, if they did not open the email after a while, we have an automation that like sends them the email again, basically, just in case they missed it, because these journalists get blasted with emails every day. And it could be that it just got buried in their inbox. But then we try not to spam them. If they didn't open it the first time, they didn't open it the second time chances are they're not going to open it the third time. And chances are, if you send it again, they're going to send you to their spam folder. I don't know if you do that, but I do that all the time. I'm like, spam, like if someone's like constantly bothering me and especially using those weird tactics like RE, uh, you know, like in the subject lines, like RE, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, like I'm, I, I'm like, I never responded to you. And then it's just so shady. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> For the ones that do the hi first name, haha, <laughs> just kidding. Hi, John. And then it's okay. I get like one of these a day now. Yeah, it's really bad. And now you've got AI and everyone's just generating uh, so many uh, AI generated responses to Harrow, uh, for example. Mm-hmm. So now journalists are getting blasted with AI generated um, uh, con- uh, responses from from their Harrow queries on top of everything else. So it's just they're, they're just getting more emails than ever. So don't piss them off. Okay. I won't ask you questions on other better ways of getting a hold of journalists to reply. We'll keep that for your own agency and let people hire you for that. But I did want to ask a question. It's a challenging one where I've come from the gambling industry where when I see people do the, doing link building, there's almost no PR. It's almost to find a site that is willing to accept a link. And when you contact them, they're like, oh yeah, it's going to cost money. And <laughs> even for the site that maybe didn't used to charge money, it's because the first person offered them money that they now accept it. So okay. what would your tips be for how to actually make something as competitive as gambling or maybe in the personal finance where these affiliates or these websites, they're used to being offered money and then they expect it. Like how could you create campaigns that are, that's going to go against that norm? 
Yeah. So with all of our campaigns, like we never pay anyone any money. It's all organic earned medias. The, the process is essentially the same. If you're uh, in, in the gambling niche, I'm not going to lie. That's a, that's a pretty hard niche to do digital PR campaigns for just because we're talking about, again, those those spam filters. Gambling is one of it's it, it's a trigger word for spam filters, but you can get backlinks and you can get media features if you do a campaign that's not related to gambling. Yeah. But it, it, it takes a broader stance and is maybe about, I'm just trying to think right now, activities to do with your loved one or I, I don't know, it just doesn't talk specifically about gambling. But right. Yeah. So if you take a broader stance and, and you think a little bit beyond your individual uh, industry, then you can still get a lot of great media features that way. So you just have to be a little bit more creative. I'm going to take an insight there and copy it. I'm going to send it to my gambling industry and uh, you might get a lot of clients from what you just said. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. So I want to jump to the next question, which is, would you cater categorize PR as being more part of demand creation that fuels affiliate marketing, which is typically seen as capturing the demand? <clears throat> yeah. So with, with digital PR, you're essentially, you are creating brand awareness. Okay. So you are getting out there, you're putting, you're getting your brand uh, featured and mentioned in the media. And that is going to not only help you build your authority, your website's authority, but you are, you also get referral traffic from the media that does feature you. So you are, you're driving in visitors from readers from those news organizations to your website. And then if you've got a great website, great user experience, looks professional and whatnot, then you're going to, you're going to get that engagement. People are going to start looking to see what you offer and whatnot. You might start to be able to even build your email list a little bit more. You'll get signups, you might get some sales and whatnot. So really like digital PR is just, it's about growing your brand awareness, getting, growing your brand essentially, and then in turn, helping you build a more authoritative website through high quality, highly authoritative PR links. That's just, that's it. <laughs> I, I like it because you're actually changing my perception of PR as being less about link building and more about brand building. And I'm a firm believer that both are as, as important, but if I had to pick one over the other, I'd want the brand first over the link. But of course we want the links for SEO reasons, but. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then when we, you know, some news uh, organizations won't link back to our clients. They will just include their brand name so it's called a brand mention so with those we always chase for that backlink because we know if backlinks are still important that's really that's where it in you know, that's why we do what we do for those backlinks but also obviously to for the media visibility and brand brand growth i should say yeah in so theory it's, it's it just both. takes them a minute to or less to add that link but we've all been there that, yeah <laughs> so i want to ask what seo tools are in your toolbox in my toolbox at the moment, so we've got Hrefs, obviously, that's like our my go-to tool. I've been an Hrefs member since 2014. They just kicked me off the legacy plan, so Hrefs. So oh. Happy about that. <laughs> but it's we okay, you know what? <laughs> we won't I, I make that it. an insight. I get it, though. I get it. It's just, but it's such a great tool, all-in-one tool. There's also, for our affiliate sites, we use Lasso. So Lasso helps us create right. really nice tables, conversion-optimized overview, product overviews and whatnot. We really like uh, Lasso. Mention.com is another tool that we use to track media mentions. 
Ahrefs also has Ahrefs alerts that you can, we include as well to track media mentions for our clients. What else do I use? Yeah, those are, I might be using a stats drone soon though. It's funny that you mentioned Lasso because <laughs> we don't treat them as a direct competitor yet, but we are getting into the ad space, the ad tech part. I'm a, a big fan of what they do as a company. And ironically enough, they also now start to include stats as part of what they do. And I, I have explored the stats and they're, they're, I'm not too uh, happy with, it doesn't provide me with too much information that I, I would like. So I, they can improve on that part, but. <laughs> There's a reason for that. And I can tell you from someone who's got way too much experience building these stats tools, it's a very difficult project. It's not easy getting all the data and the richest data. And probably one of the biggest pain points we have as a company is trying to make sure that the data is accurate. And the inaccuracies happen for so many reasons. So it's a uh, it's whack-a-mole. It's like you fix this, but that comes up as another problem. Yeah, I could imagine. But it's so important to have that overview. I think especially if you are, if you're using multiple affiliate programs, it's just, it can get so overwhelming trying to look at everything, keep track of everything. And time is money. No one has time to just be sifting around through multiple, like logging in here, logging in there. It's just, it's overwhelming. But yeah, so those are the tools. Let's see. I, so I got another challenge is for a lot of affiliate managers, especially that I'm dealing with in the, the gambling space, and I know it's also other industries as well. I believe most of these affiliate managers don't have outreach experience. So what can you say to convince the affiliate manager that might be listening? Like, how can you make sure that your email is going to get through to that affiliate, getting them to sign up to the program? Because I think this is actually a, a big problem in affiliate marketing. That's a good question. I don't, I'm not sure how to answer that. Honestly, I think I can speak to what they can do to make sure that their emails are getting to the journalist inboxes. Cause that's some area of expertise, but yeah, the, the other part, that's, I don't know. It, it would literally be copying your playbook for outreach. Yeah. Just be personalized. Personalized personalization is always important. Catch their attention and keep it friendly, keep it concise and get to the point. People don't have time to waste. If you if your email is confusing and we don't, I don't understand what you're asking me, then I'm gonna delete your email or just just move on to my email because I don't have time to to figure that out. So just yeah, be concise, get to the point, and share the value. Like, what is your value proposition? What are you? Wh what's in it for them? Like, how will they benefit? It's yeah. all about. So that would. <laughs> I just think it'd be very interesting if that affiliate managers understood what affiliates have to do for both link building, PR, and outreach, that maybe they'd have a better appreciation of how to get a message through to an affiliate and also like understanding that business a bit more, where if you're an SEO affiliate, then you're going to maybe use tools like Ahrefs to find out, hey, the homepage isn't the, the, the best spot. It could actually be the inner pages or maybe even the blog posts is where a lot of uh, conversions can happen. Yeah, yeah, totally. So yeah, you got to. <laughs> Absolutely. So I want to go into another question, which is you gave me an insight previously, which was like, it was like a challenge of what could affiliates do to get started? And you had a suggestion that people should or should consider partnering up with the local business owner in that niche or something in the brick and mortar business. So I wondered if you could elaborate on that. Yeah. So with regards to that, so look, if you are thinking of becoming an affiliate, getting into the affiliate marketing space in 2024, and you are not an expert in your industry, you want to uh, start a website in a specific niche that you're, you're fascinated by, but you're not an actual expert in, 
<laughs> you've got to bring on experts on board, right? So the easiest way is to just partner up with someone local that actually has that industry experience. You can leverage their brick and mortar location. So that that ties into EAT. They probably have a Google My Business or Google Business page with reviews. Great. That's another EAT signal. So you've got all these you've got all these trust signals in place already by partnering up with the local experts. So let's say if you're like if you want to review kayaks on your your new blog or whatever, your affiliate blog, why not partner up with a kayak rental company that's like local and you can talk to that business owner probably has a ton of experience with working with all these different kayaks and kayak brands and and whatnot. So when you are publishing your when you're reviewing like different kayaks and whatnot, you can actually talk to that local expert the business owner and get their specific feedback that you can incorporate that's not found anywhere on the web, that's not being regurgitated by all of your competitors, that helps you capture that unique value and unique perspective that no one else is doing. And that's going to help you stand out in the sea of affiliate content that's on the web right now. Because you really, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to go the extra mile. (laughs) Now you can't just just publish all the stuff that that, that your competitors are publishing and think that you're going to rank because it's not going to happen. Like now it's harder than, harder than ever really to enter the space. You've got to do it right. So yeah. you've got to, yeah. I, I think it all comes back to quality and this uh, concept that the 1% will do the right things, but that just makes it better for the 1% when 99% aren't willing to do the extra work, including the work you do in, in digital PR. Yeah, no, absolutely. But think about it long term, like you need to build a brand, build a brand right now. SG is on the horizon. We don't know what's going to happen when Google releases this. It makes this a default Um, and organic traffic. It's getting harder and harder to get organic traffic just because you've got you've got ads, you've got people also ask. Now you have the UGC like forums and everything. Everything's getting pushed to the bottom. So that little sliver of organic traffic that you can capture, you better make that. You, you better turn those visitors into your loyal rave, raving fans that love you. And the way to do that is by being a, a, an authority and being authentic too, being a brand, right? And that ties back into digital PR again. Brands get featured in the media. Be a brand, build a loyal following, diversify your traffic channels as well. Get on YouTube, get do videos and whatnot, explore social media. Don't just rely on Google for your traffic because that can get wiped out in an instant. Develop that brand voice, the authentic brand voice. And now everyone's doing AI content, pushing it in mass. Every It's all AI. So now is the time to differentiate yourself. And I'm not saying AI generated content is bad. You can use it, but use it wisely and maintain, develop a strong brand, a brand voice, something that people will re- re- resonate with and they will remember you and they're going to go back and search for you in Google and go to your website. Return visitors. What does that show Google? You have loyal fans. People are going back to your website. That ties back in again into brand signals. So everything's it fuels itself. So build a brand, guys. Go the extra mile. It's worth it. And then these algorithm updates then won't be like, oh my God, I I my site died overnight. That's not gonna be a problem anymore if you think long term and if you think like a brand. That's my advice. So Lee, since we you've mentioned AI, what are the ways in which AI can help with PR? Yeah, so AI can, ChatGPT, gosh, like we use it every day for so many different purposes, but we use it as an assistant, okay? So we, if we need to, let's say, come up with like different ideas, sometimes 
our brainstorming process is like it, 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 it's its own process, right? But sometimes we'll go to ChatGPT and say, okay, we've got all these different ideas. What play the role of a journalist? You're a journalist writing on behalf of this major consumer news media outlet. Tell, what do you think about this story? Would you feature it? And then so we role play with ChatGPT and then we tell it to give us all the reasons why or why not it would feature our campaign. And then it's really cool. Like it, you get all these like talking points and pros and cons about your your campaign idea. And that can get you thinking like, is this going to actually be newsworthy or not? You can use it as your assistant. You can use it to analyze data too. It's becoming better at doing that. Yeah, there's so many different ways. It's really your marketing assistant, your digital PR assistant. You, you prompts it to do whatever you want it to do. Yeah, I love hearing that because the more I hear about creative ways of using it, it just gives ideas. For example, I've been challenging ChatGPT to help me make certain decisions. So I say, what would you do? And it doesn't give you the decision, but it gives you a lot of points, which in my case, I found points I haven't even considered. I'm like, wow, this is uh, pretty powerful. And that's exactly what it's great at. It gets you thinking, but that's where, that's why it's a tool. Don't let it replace your own logic, your own brain, your own mind, your own creativity. Don't become over-reliant on these tools. Just use them to spark some ideas and then get to thinking yourself. So just that's my advice. <laughs> so one, one pattern I've noticed with a lot of the SEO guests I've interviewed that have affiliate sites, would you say being an SEO consultant makes you a good affiliate? And then because you're an, an affiliate, that makes you a better SEO consultant? <laughs> I think it's, yeah, it goes hand in hand. You have to, if you're, if you want to do affiliate marketing right, you need to be good at SEO. It, it just goes hand in hand. It's logical to me, <laughs> I think. So, so would, you, would you say maybe as a recommendation, like going full circle back to the question of how would an affiliate get started? And sometimes I wonder if maybe even trying to be a consultant, you need experience before you can be a consultant. But sometimes when you go down the path of trying to do consulting, you're like, I'm going to work to solve a problem for someone. And then once you gain that experience, you now have basically a business. You know what? Absolutely. And it's really funny that you bring that up because lately I've been, I'm part of all these different SEO groups on Facebook and LinkedIn and whatnot. And people have gotten hammered by the HCU update. And I've been just, hey, yeah, let me take a look at your content and offer you my tips. I've been like just doing like short five, 10 minute videos. Just people are sending me their content and then I'm like reviewing it and analyzing it. And just as a reader, right? A, a reader with no ties to that particular brand but just a very unbiased, provide them with very unbiased opinions. And then I send that back to them and it's all free. It's complimentary, but in, I'm learning too. I'm like learning along the way and I'm seeing what's, what's good. I'm seeing what's not good, what could be improved. And that's helping me. It's helping them and everyone wins. And you're, you, that's how you can build experience. Do things that add value to others and then just be helpful. And then you, in turn, you're going to learn so many things yourself. That's uh, a great insight because I haven't done a lot of that myself, but I started doing it recently where I said, okay, I used to do affiliate coaching and I've offered yeah. some audits and I don't live and breathe SEO the way you do, where you spend way more time than I would, but it challenges me. So if I don't have an answer, I know I have to go do the research and dig and find an answer or at least back up the research of why I think something might be true. And I, I do think you're right. It's, it's helpful. I gain a lot from it and the people I help, I'm trying to help affiliates. Yeah. And then you build your network that way too. And then people are going to remember you. Hey, this so-and-so helped me out. And maybe they, they'll refer you to a client that you can work with. So it's just 
a matter of just, yeah, just diving in and helping people out and providing value. And then when, and it just pays for itself in the end. <laughs> but don't expect anything in return. But it just so happens that most of the time you do get something, which is nice. And what do you see of the future of affiliate marketing as it intersects with business intelligence? The future of affiliate, you, I think you just need to, yeah, you need to, you need to be really on top of all your numbers, all your the stats, everything like be, think as a business, think as how can I improve my business? How can I get more conversions? What can I do? Test things out, have that visibility, look at all the data on an ongoing basis, uh, make, make decisions, test things out. Yeah, always test, always. But oh, just with stats, always be aware of where you're at right now and have that visibility into your business. Know your numbers. Think about yeah, like profitability. Am I, I'm investing so and so much in, into my content this month. How much money am I actually getting back from this? What work? Can, how can I be, become more profitable as a business, as a brand? That's, I guess, what my train of thought is regarding that <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's good summary points, which is always be testing. I know so many SEOs that say that. And I think the theme of this this interview has really been full circle about branding. You know, when you do digital PR, it's like I said at the very beginning, I never really thought about it as more brand building. I thought it was more link building. But I think <laughs> with what you do, you're actually separating yourselves from the the army or the sea of link builders out there that that's all they just focus on. It's just one-dimensional link building, but I think I think you're right about uh, building a brand. This is going to lead to that better stats, the better data. It's you can focus on one thing, and you're still going to get you're going to get that end result. Exactly, absolutely, you nailed it, <laughs> Gabriella. Thanks for doing this. Uh, how can people get a hold of you? Yeah, they can uh, uh, go to my website brightvalleymarketing.com or just reach out to me directly gaby at brightvalleymarketing.com. So that's the easiest way. <laughs> and you can get that information in the show notes. Thank you so much for doing this. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to the Affiliate BI podcast. I'd like to take this time to ask for a small favor to leave a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. That helps us expand our reach to rank higher in podcast directories and reach more listeners.